has a go. Great corner! Oh, sensational! Ashley Young's first goal for Manchester United. Screamer! Onto his right foot. Young! Oh, Stunner! Ashley Young's there! And Ashley Young scores! It's Young who takes it! Oh, that's magnificent! An unbelievable hit! It's turning into a dream night for Ashley Young! Welcome to another Manchester United podcast. This week, I sat down with Ashley Young. Helen is still on maternity leave. Maisie couldn't make it, so it was just me. But Maisie is with me right now. He's listened to the podcast. Maisie, one thing I think that was really great about Ashley Young was, one, he was a great talker and kept going on. But previously, we've discussed how sort of the former pros are a bit less guarded. But actually, I think Ashley was very open and very honest. Yeah, I think because Ashley's coming to the end of his career, although he doesn't want to talk about that, um, is more of a senior pro in the dressing room, and and the fact that you know he, he loves to talk, you can see that, or you can hear that. You know, he's just very honest. You know, c- coming from where he came from, to be captain of Manchester United, what a great, great honour it must be for him to actually you know, play for England and to captain Manchester United on so many occasions. He must be very, very proud to do what he's done. Yeah, it's a big journey. Uh, one thing we get into that I won't spoil is we get into Ashley's views on that video of a bird pooing in his mouth. That is very special. Uh, but something else is he talks about his role as dressing room DJ. When you were a player, was there a specific person that was in charge of the music and stuff? Sam, we never had music in the dressing room. <laughs> we never had that. We honestly got, I mean, podcasts and um, iPads and stuff like that were never even invented. So we never had anybody to do anything like that. We had the TV on, it might have horse racing on or something like that. The gaffer might be watching a race or Insy might be watching a race, but... No, we, we certainly didn't. I think, looking back, probably one of the first teams probably to have music would have been Wimbledon. You know, with Fash Bash and Vinny and uh, Dennis Wise, those type of players, they, they were the, the, the boom, 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 boom in a dressing room sort of music, which was horrible to listen to at the time. <laughs> but, you know, if it's, if it's that one way to get you motivated and wound up yep. for a game, then, then so be it. But we never had anything like that. But, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Ash is the main man. When we spoke to Jesse about it, yeah, you know, he said he takes a hell of a lot of uh, pride in it, doing the DJing and uh, making sure that the track's there for everybody and God knows what what it covers. Hard rock from for David and maybe a few love stories for a few of the other players. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll get you excited for a game, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Right, let's do it then. This is the conversation I had with Ashley Young when I sat down with him in a box at Old Trafford earlier in November. So the other two that do this yeah. can offer some real insight. Helen's married to Johnny. Yeah. Maisie played here. Mm-hmm. What about I've you? Got, I've got nothing. Brilliant. I've bring nothing to the That's table. That's a good start then. I'm enthusiastic it? though. I like that. So. I've got that. I'm keen. Yeah. I'm excited so to be you, here. Keen, we like keen, but not too keen. Yeah, no, I've, yeah I'll be calm. I'll be sorry. Uh, I don't get too excited. Are you sure? Yeah. All right. How's David? Yeah, it's been good. It's yeah. cold outside. but It's um, cold everywhere. It is cold, but it's not been too bad. We're uh, obviously trained today. Trained this morning, get ready for this weekend and... Obviously, want to keep the runs going. So far, the the winds keep their winds going. Are you good with the cold? Because some people like hate it and it goes right through them. No, I'm not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a summer person. I like yeah. the sun, but you know, when you, I, f- I feel like actually when I'm getting older, the cold's not actually too bad. Okay. But when I was younger, it was like oh, I could wear tracksuit bottoms underneath your shorts and everything. Now, obviously, you can't. So, um, I think you just get used to used to the weather. If, um, but, if, if you could live anywhere because of the climate, where would you go? Wherever stays hot all year yeah. round. Yeah. Okay. I do that. And obviously, it's, yeah. well, as you can tell, it's not in Manchester, to be honest. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, uh, wherever's hot. Yeah. Pick me a place that's really hot. I've, so, like LA, just constant sun. They get like a, it's not a couple bad place of to days pick of rain. Yeah. yeah take nice that. beach. 
It's not bad, that. I'm up for it, Can we do this? Should we go? Can we do we, this? Let's, let's go now. Can we rearrange this yeah, yeah. and be like, oh, we've got to do it. Ashley's going to LA. We'll have to go out there. There you go. We'll do yeah. it in LA instead. Yeah, perfect. I'm right. in. Right, um, see ya. <laughs> oh, no. I'm not now. Uh, so let's start this. You were at Watford, mm-hmm. and actually when you... Uh, I, I don't know what age you all know this better than I do, but you got to that point, and they actually said, we don't think we're going to give you a contract, and you stayed and you worked hard anyway. Yeah, basically, that that was it. But um, So I'd been there since I was 10 years old. I played there... You know, up until I was, I got to the point when I was 16. Um, it's all I knew. I knew, I just knew the, the club uh, inside and out. And like I say, I always relate to to kids that are going for their scholarships now. It's one of the toughest, obviously, you're, you're leaving school, uh, not knowing what you want to do. And for me, it was, you know, one of them decisions that I've I've looked back on and said it was the biggest turning point for me. And it was it was one I looked back on and I just kicked on from there. So uh, basically, they had, they had said that I wasn't going to get kept on, which I remember the day... Even now, going back home, being told, obviously, you're not going to get it. Me and my mum driving home, there was just silence, to be honest. Didn't say a word. Got back home, sat down with mum and dad, spoke to them, and just sat in the living room. And I think I sat there the whole night, and I didn't really t- talk. I just sat there in my tracksuit because we had had a game that day. So, uh, you know, it was it was a, a tough day. But, um, you know, coming out of the meeting, it was... They said that I could stay on part-time, which... I suppose it was stay on part time or leave and find somewhere else. It went through my head to to leave, but because I'd been there for so long and it's all I knew, I, I just knew the club. It was like it got to a point where I was like, it's, you know, I can I can change their minds. So it was going to school from where uh, I was from and then going into training twice a week with the boys that were who were kept on full time. Um, at the time, I think there was eight to ten boys that got kept on full time. So it was down to me to to then decide if I wanted to leave or or if I wanted to stay. And like I said, I'd been there for that long and it's all I knew. And, you know, I felt they had, they had made a wrong decision. One of the, the decisions they made was I was too small, which I'm not the biggest now, but um, you look at players now that are the best in the world. Yeah. And they're not the biggest themselves. So, uh, you know, I, I had that in mind and I had the, the belief in myself that I could change their minds and... You know, I went back in and had a meeting with them again and it was them saying to me that they're going to push me. So I was obviously under 16s at the time. They want to push me to the under 18s and even further than that. Uh, I remember playing the, the week after against Blackburn, playing for the under 18s and looking and thinking, right, this is it. This this is my time to shine. If I don't, then, you know, I've I've going to have to go and find somewhere else to go. But, you know, I always had that, like I say, that belief in, in myself. And, you know, I had the meeting at school and I remember, I remember this one as well. I was in year 10, obviously, when you go and have a, the, the meet with the careers advisor. And I'd sat in a room pretty much like this. And she said to me, what do you want to do when, you, when you're older? And I said to her, I want to play football. I want to be a professional footballer. And she looked at me and said, yeah, but what if that don't work out? And I sat there and said, but it will work out. Like, I know it's going to work out. And I wasn't one that talked a lot, I, I do now, um, when I was in school. But I stood up and just said to her, I'm going to be a professional footballer. And I walked out the door. I actually saw her a few years ago. And uh, I said, so you got it wrong. <laughs> I said, I told you I was, I was going to make it. And she said, yeah, you, you were right. And I actually remember that, that meeting. So, uh, you know, back to obviously Watford. I was I was pushed to, to play for the under-18s. And then I eventually got myself into the uh, reserves. You know, being 16, playing reserves, playing men's football is, is what you want to do. And like I said, I, I knew no difference. So um, within the year, I was fortunate enough to be the first out of the, my age group to be offered a professional contract. And like I say, from then on, it was just look forward and, and go from there. So, uh, 
Yeah, I do relate to to the kids now that are, are coming up for their scholarships, and it is one of the toughest decisions, and it's hard to take. But you know, just to to have that that belief in yourself to to go out and and make them change the decision was is, is what I did, and you know, I've not looked back since. Nice. It's a properly incredible story in self belief when you consider at that age they've gone, yeah, probably not, and then mm. here you are sitting here as captain of Manchester United. At, it's not bad, is it? It's not bad. <laughs> did you use that, and do you use that at the time? Because I reckon there's two schools of thought of people that go, okay, fair enough, that's your choice. I've got self-belief, I'm just going to carry on. Or do you use that to drive you? To be honest, I think that that is what drove me to, to where I am, and I think I've, I've thought about that you know, for years and years, and speaking to different people about, you know, because a lot of people don't know it, it happened, and, you know, when I've said it before, and people are like, wow, that's some story, and... You know, for me, I think it, is, it has been a driving factor in where I've got to now, like saying, being able to, to walk out here at Old Trafford and captain Man United is, you know, is one of the best feelings in, in, in my career, in my life, to be honest. It's an honour to pull on a United shirt and, and to be able to do that from that story then where I was told, basically, you, you're not making it to the first team, you not, not make it. To be able to see what I've achieved and, and gone about and, and done so far. You know, it is quite a good story. It is a real good story. Uh, and at Watford, you made it as young player of the season. You were playing in uh, much more attacking roles than people are used to seeing you in now. At any point at that stage, had you played any kind of defensive roles? No. Had you even considered it? No. Brilliant. But we'll, <laughs> we'll get on to Louis van Gaal in a bit then. Yeah. Uh, when it came to leaving Watford, there was an offer from West Ham, right, that the mm -hmm. club accepted, mm -hmm. but you didn't want to move. Is that because you wanted different clubs or that you didn't want to leave Watford yet? It was, at the time, uh, the club had accepted their offer uh, and Aston Villa's offer. And to be honest, I went to go and speak to West Ham first. And I'm a person that I get a vibe off someone within 10, 15 minutes of meeting them. And at the time, I'm trying to think of their chairman, what he was called. Well, West Ham. West Ham's Not chairman, a clue. yeah. So, but him anyway. We'll go with that. I him, like it. And uh, Alan Kirbsley was the manager. And I sat in a room, we had the meeting, and I just didn't, get that feel of I wanted to, to be there or they really wanted to sign me. I went and met Aston Villa and obviously Martin O'Neill and I'll say within five minutes, I was like, I know where I'm signing. I'd been on Watford since I was 10, it was 21. It was like, I need a new challenge. I set my sights on always wanting to, to play in the, the biggest competitions and the Premier League was, was that for me. So uh, getting the opportunity, Watford, you know, I, I can't thank Watford enough for, for what they've done for me. But to have the chance to, to go and play for Aston Villa and work under Martin O'Neill, it was, for me, it was a no-brainer. And, you know, I was delighted to, to sign on the dotted line and get started. You had an absolutely incredible time at Aston Villa. Mm -hmm. 17 assists, goals, playing constantly. One of the only players outside of the traditional big clubs to make it into the PFA Team of the Year. Uh, one of the only players to win the PFA Player of the Month award with two different clubs because you won it at Villa and you won it with United. And actually the list of people that have won it in different months is tiny. What are your fondest memories of being at Villa? There was, like you say, there was that many. It put me on the national stage, obviously getting my first call up when I was there. Just taking my game from where it was to, you know, putting it on an even bigger stage and, and learning. it. In Martin O'Neill, he was... You know, it was incredible for me. You know, I've always said about the different managers I've had and I always say about the boss, obviously, Sir Alex being number one and Martin O'Neill run pretty much just below him. But there were so many fond memories of, of being there, you know, when we got to the final of the, the League Cup against United when Vida should have been sent off but got booked and we went 1-0 up and lost 2-1. That was a, a moment that I look back on fondly, but 
there were seasons there, I think three in a row, where we finished just outside the top four. And I don't think we had enough players in the squad because we was pretty much playing the, the same team week in, week out. And when you ain't got such a big squad, when you come around to the new year, January, February time, it starts to take its toll. And I think it, it done that. But, um, you know, I've got so many memories. Even talking to, you know, I still talk to players that I, I played with there now. And you know, We're going to say James Milner. You still speak to everyone. Yeah, uh, okay. we've got a WhatsApp group of old yeah. players that are, that were there at the time, and you know, good, you know, people on the pitch and and off the pitch, and uh, and made so many friends. And you know, like I say, I made made uh, made strides, and you know, just took my game to like I say a different level. Playing for Watford in the Championship, playing for Villa in the Premier League, did you feel that that was difficult? Did you notice the change? Yeah, of course. Um, you know, the Championships, a lot of teams play more direct. You know. Uh, Watford, when we got promoted the year, we was playing more direct. Whereas teams in the Premier League like to, to play football. And, you know, I think if you've got a good footballing brain, you, you can adjust to that. Uh, I was able able to do that when I uh, went to Aston Villa. You could tell the, the difference in Championship to, to Premier League. And you know, when you're training with players that are week in, week out, day in, day out, you start to better yourself and you start to get to a, another level. And you know, for me, I'm always setting myself targets and goals and I want it to be the best and, and wanting to win things. I'm Still here now, 34, wanting to, to win trophies. So I don't want to look back and say what I didn't win. I want to look back and, on my career and say, do you know what, I, I won this and I achieved this. And, you know, I don't think it'll be until I've I've retired until I, I do that because now I'm still, when people say to you, yeah, but you've achieved this, you've won this. And I'm like, yeah, but there's still more. I, I still want more. I've still got that hunger and I've still got that desire to, to go out there and be better and, uh, and want to keep uh, improving. So, uh, you know, I did that from when I went to from Watford to, to Villa to improve myself and you know I'm even now I'm trying to still improve myself. Did you do you feel like was your training different between Watford and Villa? Did you notice people trained harder or did you feel like you needed to change your approach to training? Yeah, when I was at Watford I never went to the gym. I hated it. <laughs> but as soon as we got to, to Aston Villa there was gym sessions on and it was like, well, this is a total different change. The training ground was different obviously. The ground was was totally different to, to Watford and you know, you you just see little things and you start to change your diet because my diet was quite bad when I was at Watford. It was what, was, just, what were you having? Sweets, chocolate. To be honest, everyone will say that I'm still doing it now, but <laughs> it's not as much as, as it was back then. But, you know, you just change certain certain things and you see people obviously, like you say, working, working harder and you see the difference in in different people's uh, mentalities and, and where people want to want to be and where we want to achieve things. And you, you see that when you move to different clubs. Nice. And at Villa, when you were getting your 17 assists and bagging goals, did you play any full-back positions or any... Did you think about any defensive positions? Not unless someone got sent off. Yeah, okay. And then what, you might have dropped I back? I might have dropped back, but... Okay. No, there was there was no part of me thinking yeah. that I'm going to end up as a fullback. <laughs> it was just wasn't... Yeah. It wasn't there. I was, like you say, I was playing as... I started at Watford. I was a forward. I went as a winger. Villa, I played as a winger, as a number 10. Even for England, I was I was playing as a, a number 10 or as a winger. So uh, I didn't see it coming. How do you feel about doing that? Do you enjoy it? I'd rather be attacking than defending, mm -hmm. put it that way. But it's, like I've said all along, if you've got a good footballing brain and you can adjust to playing different positions, I think you have to nowadays. So many different managers play different formations, you know, rotate players and you've got to be able to, to do it. You know, I think if you understand the game, you read the game, you know, you, you've got to be able to, to play in numerous uh, uh, positions and, you know, I've been able to do that. We spoke to Darren Fletcher a few weeks ago on the podcast and we asked him about it because he's one of those players that people always say, I guess a bit like John O'Shea, people say, oh, you need those players that are versatile, they can play in lots of places. And we asked him why he was able to do that or, or why you get players that can and players that can't. And he said there are two reasons why a player can play multiple positions. One is they've got the work rate and the attitude to just commit to their job. And two is they can read the game and that's it. I'd agree. 
Totally agree. You know, it's exactly what, what Fletcher said. You you need people in a team that are going to work. Obviously, everybody works in the team, work hard and, and have got an actual understanding of the game and can read the game. Obviously, players, some players can do it better than, than others and some players got better football brain than others. But, you know, I think, like I say nowadays, you've you got to be able to adjust. You've got to be able to play in different positions. And like I say, the versatility is, is definitely there for me. Eventually, your time at Villa came to an end. Allegedly, Liverpool got involved. Manchester United obviously made an offer. When did you first hear United were interested? I was actually wanting to leave Villa the year before. Okay, I had actually left. Obviously, I would have been 25 at the time. I was 26 when I left. But I'd spoke to the chairman, Randy Lerner, at the time, and he was desperate for me not to not to leave. I was saying to him I was ready to leave. We we had spoke when I first came here, and it was to break into the top four. We weren't able to do it, and this was season two, season three, and it was like. You know, it's, it's not happening. It's, things are starting to tail off. Martin O'Neill was leaving. Gerard Hulier had come in. And things just, just started to change. Randy had been there for me from the start. And I felt that, you know, did I owe him another year? I think I did, to be honest, because he had he'd been brilliant for me. So I, I stayed for the, for the extra year. And, you know, from the time my agent called me and said, listen, you're going into your last year of your contract. There's a few teams that have come in for you. Like I say, said Liverpool. We had spoke to City, and then he said United had come in. And I said, when I'm meeting Sir Alex, where's the pen? Nice. I said because there's no other place where I want to go. You looked at the the history of the club. You looked at, as I call him, the boss still. The players that were here, what they'd achieved. It, for me, it was like that's the place where I want to be. I want to be able to go there and put my marker down on this club and play for the biggest club for me in, in the world. So as soon as my, my agent said that, we didn't even meet Liverpool, but you know, I met Sir Alex and um, I always remember the meeting uh, in London and I think we spoke, I think it was probably about a two hour meeting. Yeah. 10 minutes of that was spoke about football. Mm -hmm. The rest was about horses and wine. <laughs> you, do you have much interest in horses and wine? I do now, yeah. Or, or <laughs> so, I did. But at, I the, did have, at, at, the, at time, the time, I was into horses, yeah. Right, okay. Not so much wine, but um, I got fond of that, yeah. yeah. Um, but thinking... no, so it was it was one of them that uh, I come out of the meeting and I looked at my agent and was like, I thought we were supposed to be talking football. And he was like, don't worry about it, just just get on with it. Yeah. It was, it was one of them that the boss has just got that aura that he basically challenged me in, in the meeting and was like, you, you come to the place, you either sink or swim. Um, that's basically what it is, is you're going to be challenged every day. And, you know, for me, I, that's what I wanted to hear. I wanted to, to feel like someone wanted me. I wanted to feel like well, I'm going to be challenged every day. And obviously being at England with some of the players there, it was at times it felt like a tug of war. There was Stephen Gerald on one hand saying, come here. There was Rio and Wesley saying, come here. And it was just down to me to, to make that decision. I've made decisions all throughout my life and I feel like I've, I've made uh, them right ones when it comes to, uh, to being in football. And, you know, for me, as soon as I, I could sign there, you know, I, I just wanted to sign. Do you, do you remember, apart from all the conversation that meeting, was, was there like an aura about meeting Sir Alex? I guess you'd seen him before with games and stuff, but had you ever spoken to him or anything? I'd never just, never spoke to him before, no. Um, but like you say, he's just, just got that aura. I've seen him, seen him at some of the Villa games, said hello, but that's, that's about it really. I just remember the, going into the room when we met and it was like, yeah, this, this is, uh, this is the way he is. This is the aura he's got. But to be honest, it was laughing and joking. He's one that a lot of people say he's old, but he's still got banner. Mm -hmm. And he still wants to laugh, still wants to joke. And 
that's the way he is. And you know, when he's he's serious, then you know he's, he's down to business. You, you yeah. need to go and work. Did he ever get serious with you? Do you know what? I had this conversation, and he didn't. And oh, a lot of a, a lot of players said you must be like one of the only ones that he didn't get serious with. And when we say serious, we mean obviously sort of had a go at. losing his yeah rag. Yeah, uh, but no, he he, he never did. Touchwood. Um, <laughs> he, he, he never has. So uh, I don't know whether I, I was doing something right or. Do you feel like you've, you've missed out it. on a crucial experience though? No, because I've seen them experiences. And right. Okay. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've I've seen uh, yeah. more than a few of them, and yeah, no, I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> Any that stand out as you being in the dressing room, thinking I'm so glad that's not me. Yeah, quite a few. I'm not going to reveal them though. It's in the dressing room, so I can't give away no, too sure? much. If no, players I... have left, surely it's okay. No, it's still not all right. I can't. I, I, I don't want to name <laughs> okay. what's happened, but okay. yeah, there was yeah. more than a few. Okay. But you know, I think the generation I was in, it was it was just normal. You know, everybody wants the the best for each other, and everyone's a winner. And that was one thing that he said. You know, you you come to the club, you you're a winner. You know, for years they dig deep, they find out how you are as a person, how family, how you are with your family, and it's everything. It's not just footballing ability. It's 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 everything to to do. Everything that comes with it. So um. You know, just to be out there, just to to be able to represent this club is is a massive, massive honour for me. And your first month was something of a whirlwind, I reckon, because in that August, your debut was against City in the Community Shield, but I think you got goal and assist. Mm -hmm. And then a few weeks later was the 8-2 against Arsenal, three assists, two ridiculous goals. Did you just assume that's what it was going to be like every day? I wish it was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been nice, wouldn't it? Um, no, you know, going on pre-season tour where obviously went to, to America and they said it would be an experience that you'd never experienced I didn't have a clue what was to come but I'd soon found out at 12, 1, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning when fans just didn't go home they were just outside the hotel shouting non-stop and then you start to to realise the size of the club and it's like like I said you either sink or swim you either take it and, and you go and produce or you know you, you don't last you know, as soon as we come back from pre-season, like say Community Shield, we was sure we was losing two 0 at half time as well, and we'd come in and it was like for me, we're losing, da -da -da, and players were there, relaxed, they was calm. The boss come in, and he was like, "It's two 0 What more can go wrong? Just don't let them score, and we'll win the game." And it was just that belief that he just give to everyone that was like, "Yeah, do you know what? We we can go and win this game." And literally, as soon as we scored the first goal. So that's it, we're going to win the game. So uh, that was unbelievable. My debut, uh, West Brom away, we were we won 2-1. I, I say I scored. I didn't really score. It was like two deflections <laughs> that went, went in. Yeah. But, you know, it's my debut, so I kind of claimed does it, it. Does it officially count as yours? Definitely not. Oh, right, no okay. way. It right. was like a cross come yeah. deflection, deflection went in. But, right. you know, it was, it was claimed. And obviously, like you say, the, the history maker us you know, always be talked about here, the 8-2 yeah. game. And there's games where things go right mm -hmm. uh, and at times they, they they don't go right. I think everything that happened that day just went right to a T. And I think even think on another day, there could have been even more goals. Yeah. But it was just like even now you get goosebumps thinking about it. And, you know, to obviously score here... That, it was an unbelievable feeling. I actually think I left my knee in the corner when I celebrated one because I got stuck in the in the ground. But um, no, it was just a, it was just incredible and a, an amazing feeling. And them moments there uh, here at Old Trafford, uh, you know, you can't beat them. When when that game finished, 
what was the reaction like after? Because presumably nobody expected that you would go out and win 8-2. No, of course not. So I think we was just in the in the dress room and it was like everybody just looking around and looking at each other like, did that just happen? Did that really just happen? But it was just obviously the celebrations were just like we just couldn't believe it. It, it actually did happen, but it did. When you think about that dressing room, when you first arrived and you saw those players, were you were you in awe of anybody? Were you worried about anybody? Or were you made to feel confident, this is it, you're joining, get involved? No, I think because obviously I knew Rio and who was a Carol's from when we was at England, I think I knew them, obviously the Eng- English core there. And then when you, you come here, it's a family. Uh, you get welcomed with, with open arms and that's exactly what everyone in that squad did. You know, there was some big, big names in, in that squad. And it's whether you could obviously deal with it, but you know, just to talk to to players. Obviously, you, you're coming in new. You want to find out about the club, and you, you start to learn the history of the club. You know, as soon as you walk through the door, and every single one of them players were there offering advice. Whenever you needed advice, they were they were there to to speak to you. And I, I don't think I was ever ever in in awe. It was you know you'd been signed by the club for a reason. Yeah. Go and do your job that you you've been signed for, and, and then start producing even more and start getting better and. You know, when you you train, no disrespect to the players that were at Watford or Aston Villa, when you you're playing uh, with players that are, have been winning titles after titles and, and FA Cups and League Cups and Champions Leagues, you, you start to think, right, I've got to be a hundred percent every day in training. And you know, I think the the way that the players go about their, their jobs at them times, it was you was given a hundred percent every day. And when I say people were upset in training when you lose. It's just the mentality that you've got. You just got that winning mentality. That's that's how it is. And you know, whether there's arguments, whether there's there's fighting, it it happens just because everyone wants to win. And you know, I don't think there was ever a time where I I, I sat there and looked around and thought, wow. Uh, and also, you got the number eighteen shirt, which was Paul Scholes just mm-hmm. vacated, and then not much later, he's back and is a teammate again. Yeah. Did you offer it back? I did. Yeah. Did you? Yeah, I did. It was it's Scholes's number. Yeah. Um, okay. And at the time when I come in, it was like, it's Scolzi's number. And, you know, I think a lot of people was saying, obviously, you know, what he's done in the shirt and da da And I was like, yeah, of course, I know, obviously, what he's done. And, you know, for me, unbelievable. He, words can't even describe what, what he achieved. So to see him come back in, it was like, oh, he's back. Maybe he wants his <laughs> number back. <laughs> so I did offer it, but, yeah, you know, the, it, obviously, I, I kept it. So it was just, just one of those things that you know, we didn't say he wanted it back. The boss didn't say give it back. So just perfect. Yeah. yeah. And before you knew about, well, I guess you would have known about it for everybody else because it was a big surprise. He just appeared on the bench against City. How long as players did you know about it? We didn't. It what was at that, all? It was that day. It was City away, and it was literally <laughs> we had got into. Obviously, we'd been at a hotel the night before. Everyone was together. We then got to their ground. We walked in, and it was like, "There's another kit there. Whose kit's that?" And then he saw the shirt. And he was like. And then Scolzi walked through the door and it was like, <laughs> what, what, what's happening? Like no one knew what was actually going on, but obviously he was back. We, I think we had a few injuries at the time and obviously the boss had asked him to come back out of retirement. And I had said at the time, it was like Scolzi hadn't been away. He just walked back in and, you know, I think he'd come on in the second half, maybe the start of the second half and he just bossed the game. That, that was typical Scolzi. Didn't say a lot, come out, done his job. And it, it was done, and you know, for us, like I say, it was a it was a massive surprise because we didn't know what was happening, what was going on. I think at the time that Carroll's had to play in centre centre back because we had, I think, maybe defensive uh, injuries as well. So uh, 
you know, we were sure obviously Scalzi come back and it was a, a massive shock to, to everyone. And a, a, but a good shock, and yeah. a good surprise. Uh, and then a few months later, you are Premier League champion, which must have been an incredible high. But then Sir Alex Ferguson retires. Yeah, all like that. Yeah, what, how was that for you? <laughs> for me, obviously, we, we was on a high mm -hmm. after winning the Premier League. And, you know, that in itself, you know, is a boyhood dream. To to say I've won the Premier League is, you know, is unbelievable. It's, I, I say it all the time, words can't really describe it. People say, try and, try and explain, try and describe, but no, unless you're there and you're in that, you can't really say how it feels. You know, the, I remember the celebrations. I think we celebrated the whole week. Yeah, I've heard Once David De Gea say... Won it. The reason, one of the reasons he loves being here is because he wants that again. Because mm -hmm. yeah. he had it once, obviously. Yeah, but yeah. that's that's you know obviously me, him, uh, Jonah. We all signed at the same time, so obviously we we experienced it. And I say that day that we did the the parade, it was I'm sure was it hot day? Do you know what? It could be on a hot day. It probably rained as well. <laughs> I actually remember it raining, but there was scaffolding up, and I always remember uh, coming down Deansgate. There was scaffolding and. It looked up and it just looked like there was ants in the scaffolding because there was that many people hanging on to the scaffolding. And as the bus drove past, it was like, this thing's going to fall down. It's <laughs> going to fall down. We know it's going to fall down. But it was like, I'm actually getting goosebumps now. It was just the the, the red across the the city was, like, it was, like I say, it was it was unbelievable. To be able to, to win the league and the celebrations that we had were really, really good. Yeah. How long did you wear your medal for? Do you know what? I think I wore it all week. I might have even worn it into training. Nice. I, I probably, I probably did. But obviously, we was enjoying ourselves in training. Obviously, after training as well for that week, we really enjoyed ourselves. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> uh, no, we just, you know, went out for dinners and enjoyed ourselves after training. Literally, straight, it was a really nice meal. Literally straight from training, we went yep. to dinner. Obviously, that early. Um, <laughs> but no, it was, uh, it was unbelievable. And then, like you say. Remember the day we, the boss called a meeting in the dressing room, and he was saying to uh, new players that he had signed. I think Robin at the time, Shinji signed as well. I think Shinji signed as well. And yeah, same. It was more saying that obviously you know, I signed him this season, and uh, I'd said I was going to be here until da da da, and unfortunately I'm retiring. And it was just like it was just shock throughout the whole place, the legacy that he's built up and left behind was incredible and then to to hear him leaving was it was like we was on such a high and then it was a come down and it was like wow he's actually that's it he's, he's leaving and I think there was a bit obviously there was sadness throughout the squad for you know for a while to be honest I don't think some players knew how to deal with it and it, at the time, it was it was tough. But, you know, as a squad, managers leave, managers, they come and go, players leave, players come and go. It was just how you, you deal with it. And I think you could just tell the last game of the season, West Brom away, end up 5-0. Yeah, 5-0. It, it just, <laughs> it's just the boss. That, that, that's him. It just, something had to happen on, on that last day and that was it apart from the person yeah. there. win stadium the announcers <laughs> getting involved <laughs> got their own memories yeah exactly so um you know that was it was just yeah it was it was like on a high and then it was a it was a massive come down and 
No, it was sadness. It was everyone's still happy. Everyone's sad, but you know, we wanted to to make sure that you know towards the end that we wanted to go out on a on a high and five all the last game. Yeah, I suppose was down to to the boss. I think he set two records that day in mm. terms of like the falling behind twice and having a five three goal lead pegged back or some sort of madness. That's about right. Yeah. yeah. When you now, because obviously you're still playing, you've not retired, you I imagine not totally assessing your career all the time and mm -hmm. stuff because you're still living it. Mm -hmm. Do you ever have little moments though where you think, I worked with Sir Alex Ferguson? Yeah, of course. Um you know since uh, especially since Ollie's come back in, mm -hmm. he's he, the boss has been around the uh, the training ground and you know, you see him and you're still scared of him. You see him walking and it's like, oh, oh, he's back. And he's he's just got that, that aura. And I'll say that even players that have left and, and retired, they, everyone still says the the same thing. And I think we see him a couple of months ago, he was he was here. I think you see the, the outpour of everyone across the football world when, obviously the news when he was he was taken to hospital, just what kind of person he was, the, the man he is and the respect that he's got for, for everyone in the footballing, in the footballing world. You know, especially players that they're here and you know, to be able to, to say that I've worked under under the boss is you know, it's massive massive for me. Massive achievement. You know, we achieved um winning the trophies together. So I, I don't think right now that I've I've sat there and thought, Wow, I like I've I've worked under Stradis. It's not what I said that you know, I think come the end of my career, which I don't feel like it'd be any time soon. I've still got the legs to run up and down still. So uh you know, I think when I, I finally sit back and, and look back on my career, then you know, I think there'll be definitely wow moments in there. But I say for me now, like my feet are firmly on the ground. I'm, I like to to think about things that I've achieved now after, not not right now. There's there's still more for me to to achieve. I always I always say, you know, I've got to 34, and there's still stuff that I, I, I haven't achieved, even though I've had a really good career, an unbelievable career. For me, there's 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 still things to to win and to achieve so uh you know hopefully um they can still be achieved okay we'll get on to those in a minute and of course the fact that you've also won the league cup the fa cup the europa league so you've won every trophy that's available to you in english football mm -hmm. but two quick things slightly less footbally one when did you become dressing room dj when patrice left when patrice right, okay. left and that was it that how was did that me. happen was that like was it a democracy or I'd did you just take charge i've been wanting to take over since pat was right. there okay <laughs> he ain't gonna like that yeah because he was Mm, he was getting a bit people were raising their eyebrows at some of his okay. some choices so it was obviously I, I love music if anybody walks past my room in the hotel they're probably banging on my door telling me to shut up because the music's just on loud until I go to sleep I always leave my door open so uh, I'm always up there getting new music downloading music listening to music it's music every day for me it's another passion of mine so uh, I wanted to take over before Pat had left but um Obviously, got respect for Pat, so he's. Sure. I left sure. him to, to yeah. do it. But as soon as Pat left, that was it. Do you feel any pressure? Does anybody ever complain? Are there any like specific tracks that you make sure are always on the playlist? Do you there's, do playlists for each game? There's always going to be someone that complains because you can't yeah. please everyone, can you? Mm -hmm. But I, three quarters of the squad are happy. Right, okay. That's quite a lot. I'll say that. It's quite a lot. Three quarters of the squad. Yeah. Uh, Who's unhappy? Because no, David Hayes into his metal. Yeah, David's always yeah, but come on, <laughs> like no disrespect to metal, it's not, it's never gonna be on my playlist, right, never ever. Sure. But uh, yeah, David's mm, Sergio, maybe it's just keepers. Is it okay? Mm, maybe I don't know, mm. but no, it, it like some of the players will walk into my room and I've got a laptop there, I've got 
iPod that I'm I'm old school and nice. I've still got an iPod. Nice. I've got two iPods. So one's there, one's there. I'm still like downloading music yeah. and I'm putting mixes together and they're like looking at me like, this is a lot of hard work. And I said, well, it's not easy to making a playlist. You got to like make sure it's, <laughs> Commit it's, to it properly. it's proper. Yeah. So you got to do it properly and it's not the same every week. So that takes time itself. Yeah. So it, it does, it, it takes a lot of thought and I've not had no complaints. Big responsibility. Yeah, it is. A is few it? people have had to step up. Yeah, okay. So... You know, when I've not played and what or not been in the squad or whatever, other people have had to step up and uh, there's been complaints. So who does that? Who who are the, is, is there anyone? Because obviously you wanted to replace Patrice. Yeah. Is there anyone snapping at your heels? Is like I'll take care of this. Just let me do this week. No, there's not. I think they're too scared. Nice. Yeah, I think they're a bit worried to to do it. But yeah. I think Jesse's put a playlist on. I think Fred's put on. I think Marcus has put on. Um, but none of them have. Okay. I don't think they're at a level. We spoke to Jesse on the podcast and yeah. he said that doing the music is far too much hard work. See, there you go. That's that's yeah. what I'm saying. He ain't got the time. Yeah. So it takes hard work to do it and I just don't think he's ready. You're right. But it sounds like you're doing a good job if three quarters. Three quarters, yeah. Three quarters. Yeah, 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 take that. Yeah, I'll take uh, that. Of the next non-specifically football thing I want to ask you, mm. and it's not even an answer, it's going to be a statement because I only learnt this this week. A bird did not poo in your mouth. No, it I, was just I found this out this week. <laughs> yeah, it didn't happen. Honestly, I was, I was like, of course it did. Everybody knows it did. We've all uh. seen it a million times. It definitely <laughs> happened. And uh, the uh, director at MUTV yeah. told me, stood mm -hmm. there behind that camera. Yeah. He said, don't worry. I went through it frame by frame. Mm -hmm. And that someone behind you off camera spits mm -hmm. and it goes over your shoulder. And at the exact moment, you sort of have your own spit in your mouth in comes mouth. up. And go. it just all times perfectly, which is probably more unlikely than an actual bird spitting in your mouth. There you go. So I have said this for <laughs> God knows how long, but... I, uh, it got to a point where I was like, right, I need to do an interview to say it didn't happen. Yeah. But I just couldn't be bothered. It's gone viral and yeah. it's still going viral. Yeah, I, I still now. believed it's it. Still, still the same. And even even my wife and kids turn around and say, yeah, but the bird pooed in your mouth. And I'm like, no, it didn't. <laughs> no, it actually didn't. And I said at the time, I'm sure the game was on TV. I'm just, I said, someone must have stopped it, recorded it, done whatever they did and put it together. I said, because... It never actually happened. So you thought it was a, a, a it's like a, a hacked edit yeah, job. Yeah, I think yeah. someone edited it. So no. basically, I know it never happened. But you know what happened now is that it's the footage is real, yeah. but it's that someone behind you spits, yeah. right, and see? it, it no, just looks it looks so like it lines I'm up so well. I've got the the evidence that it's yeah, it like, exists. It's not so now. If you watch it back, knowing yeah, that the that. that it's spit from behind you, you can see that it's not real. Oh, there you go. But it's it just looks. But I think it. you could tell it's not real because I kept yeah. on saying right if a bird. Your mouth, yeah. You're gonna have a reaction. Why, yeah, does, why it, is yeah. it they do it? And, oh, it's gone. Yeah, it just or, carries on like normal. Carry on filming. Yeah, it's go. like a it's like a deep psychological question. Would you rather not eat bird poo, but everybody think you have, or eat bird poo, but no one ever know? No, What's your choice? Because no. you live one side of that coin. Well, I'll live on the side that I'm, I'm on, so yeah. I won't go the other side. Yeah. Does it bother you that the whole world thinks that happened? No. Okay. Nice. Mm. I think it annoyed me. It is what it is. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. all right, fair enough. I know what happened. Yeah. Okay, we'll go back to football now. We've cleared that up. The world yeah. knows a bird did not poo in Ashley Young's mouth. Didn't. That's didn't, important. Didn't, didn't, didn't happen. Um, so obviously Sir Alex leaves and then David Moyes comes in. After him, Louis Van Howe, and that's when you become a left back. Yeah, that's when I turned into a wing back, left back, right back. You know, it was, it was, it was new for me. It was obviously totally different when you're playing as a winger non-stop and then you think, oh, I've got defenders to do now. But it's, it's one of the things, like you say, you, 
if you've got a footballing brain and you can read the game, yeah. you've got to be able to, to adjust, you've got to be able to be versatile and, and play in different positions. I think if people had said before uh, Louis van Gaal had come in, uh, you're going to be playing as a wing-back or a full-back, I'd have looked at him like I was a madman. <laughs> um, you know, there could be a crazy person saying that. But, you know, I I adjusted and it was obviously a different formation we was playing at times as well. And, you know, it, it was one of them things that it was more... You know, for the team at times because of we had injuries and players needed to play in different positions. I was one of them players that, that had to do that. And, you know, for me, you know, when I'm playing for, for Man United, you know, put me in goal. I've actually not played in goal yet. Do you want to? Only position. It's always a treat when out for well, players yeah, going yeah. goal. I like going in goal. Well, yeah. If you see me in training after training, I'm like, yep. give me the gloves, I'll go in goal. But okay. every player thinks they can play in goal, but you can't okay. really. Okay. But, you know, it's, it's, it was one of the things that, you, you know, you get put further back and got to start understanding the game, reading the game more. And, you know, I think if you could do that, then you can adjust to, to any position. We're about to finish. So, started as someone who told they couldn't have a contract, then made it to Watford in the Championship, move into the Premier League, win the Premier League, win the League Cup, win the FA Cup, win the Europa League, captain of Manchester United, World Cup semi-finalist after a four-year international hiatus. So someone with a tremendous amount of drive and self-belief. One day, I know you said you're not ready for it yet, but you, you will stop playing. What will you do next with that? Oh, it's got to be thought about pretty mm -hmm. soon, to be honest. I don't really want to think about it. Okay. Uh, because I don't feel that like I'm... I'm there, yeah. Obviously, I've got things that I, I want to achieve. I'm starting to take my coaching badges. I'm I'm doing that, so uh, that could be it'd be something. But um, you know, right now, like you say, I'm still playing. Uh, I still feel fit. I've got a contract here till the end of the season. Uh, I want to do as well as I can for the club. I want to achieve. There's there's trophies, there's titles there to to be won, and you know, I want to I want to still win things. So uh, you know, I won't be thinking about what I'm gonna do after football right now. Uh, what I'm thinking about is. Obviously, this weekend's game is, is coming up and that's all I can do is think about each game as it comes up. Okay, perfect. Last question. Have you ever been singing along whilst on the pitch when the fans have been singing? Yeah, I have. What two? Has anyone caught me? I don't oh. know. I, don't oh, know. I was going to say. <laughs> what, what two? There's yeah. been so many... I should yeah. be saying this. There's been so many different songs that, you know, obviously when you're winning and yeah. the fans are obviously singing, then, you know, there's times where you just catch yourself and you think... I'm playing the game here. What am I doing? <laughs> uh, but no, there is times where definitely I'm singing along with them. Nice. Got a lot of time for that. Thanks. Cheers. Thank you. So that was it. Um, really interesting, I think. A real talker. I think a lot of people will be surprised by some of the things he said, particularly how he dealt with that rejection at such a young age and then has gone on to have a stellar career. Yeah. I mean, from him to be 16-year-old and to be told that, you know, he's not wanted at the club, but if he wants to hang around, you know, that in itself is, is great character for himself. But I think it also gives an insight of, you know, how much determination you need to become a professional footballer. He could have quite easily walked out of that door and thought, you know what, I'm not going to be a professional footballer. You know, you see you see players, um, whether at the United or whether at Rochdale or Bury or whoever it is, you know, the, their opportunities are very, very limited. They get told they're going to leave and then that's it. They think that's the final call. But for him to hang around and nose himself back in there to then finally get a contract at, at Watford just goes to show that if, if you're that determined and you're that passionate about football, then there always is a way into football. Yeah, I guess that is, uh, for him, that's sort of summarising that he was never concerned or worried about dropping back to play left back or to play right back, just happy to be on the pitch and do a job. Yeah, of course. You know, whenever you get a chance to play for Manchester United... <laughs> People say, and it's you know, it's probably um, a thing that people say all the time. You know, I would play anywhere, and as long as you're playing for Manchester United, you know, you're there to do a job. But actually, as you said, you know, came as a winger, and he's been a left back, he's been a right back, he's 
also been a winger as well. Goes to show that he's willing to to try and change. Shazer used to do that. Wes used to do that. Phil Neville used to do that. The players that will sacrifice their own position to play somewhere else for this you know, fantastic club. Also, I uh, thought it was fun that he offered Paul Scholes a shirt number back. Yeah, I mean, nobody knew anything about that, did yeah. they? About Scholes coming back, least the players. You know, it must have been such a... Had, did you hear any rumours? I didn't know. And do you know what? At the time, I was I was playing golf with Scholes and even, <laughs> he, he just never said anything. And you're like, you little ginger prince, how can you not tell anyone? It, it, was, it was totally... And against Manchester City as well. You know, what a, what a game to come back to. You know the story about Scalzi coming back and, uh, you know, training with Joycey and he was as fit as what he's, he's ever could have been. So, you know, he came back and uh, carried on winning things as well. Just uh, a remarkable story. In terms of winning things, Ashley's stories about people looking like ants hanging on scaffolding and, and coming down Ge- yeah. Deansgate when they won the league in Sir Alex's final season. Did that bring back memories for you for, for being on those buses? Oh, do you know what? Celebrating and, and, um, and being part of a team... And driving down Deansgate with God knows how many people were there, quarter of a million, half a million, a million. You just don't know because they are everywhere. Scaffolding, lampposts, trees, bus stands, hanging out of offices. It's just a surreal thing. It really is a surreal thing. And until until you actually witness it or you're on that bus and you're going down there on the parade, you know, it's it's um it's something that sticks with you for the rest of your life. It really does. Well, I think that is a perfect happy memory to finish this one. If you want to get in touch with us, guys, you can. You can email us unitedpodcast at manunited.co.uk. That's utdpodcast at manutd.co.uk. Um, just let us know what your thoughts are, if you've got any opinions, anything you want to share. Uh, maybe you've got some memories of Maisie. Send them in. And as always, you can subscribe and get our latest episode every single week. And please leave us a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back next week. Listener.